Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's sermon podcast. As we approach God's Word, let's take a prayerful breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Listen to God's Word this day. Good morning. My name is Ann Ferreira, and I am an elder currently serving on session. Would you please join me in our unison prayer for illumination? Gracious God, Give us humble and teachable hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food that it may nourish us today through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. Let us turn to God's word this morning. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Listen to God's word. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or her or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. And the second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, it is your word... We need to hear that we want to hear, and so we pray that it is your word may, we may hear through these human words. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a colleague, an Episcopalian minister, who when he was in seminary served at a mental health hospital and residence up in Connecticut. Part of his duties included leading weekly worship. There was someone else to play the piano there, but he was the one that led it. 
And as you might imagine, the small group of residents who attended were not always the most responsive, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> not always the most responsive and participatory of congregations, both because of their mental illness and also because of the medications they were taking. On one Sunday, however, they were particularly unresponsive. Absolutely no one was joining in the shared prayers or the singing. And when it came to singing, C Campbell was, he wanted to soldier on. And so he got up and he sang every single verse by himself with great determination. Finally, as he came to the end of that second hymn, one of the young men sitting there who had only really been kind of staring at the floor at that point looked up at Campbell, stood up and said, you're nuts. <laughs> the story of that chapel service has always stuck with me. It served as a reminder that sometimes ministers, other church leaders, Christians seeking to God's work can look like fools to the world. Of course, being human, we can also look like fools without serving God. But that encounter in that institutional chapel service also reminds us that just because you're battling mental illness doesn't mean you don't notice things or cannot speak the truth, especially truths that others don't want to acknowledge out loud. Indeed, I have learned a lot during the years working with and around those dealing with mental illness. Here in Mark 1, we have Jesus' own encounter with a man whom others would say is not in his right mind. The setting is the synagogue in a town called Capernaum, which is on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. It's the place where Jesus established as his home base when during his public teaching. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, Mark tells us, but Mark doesn't tell us what Jesus is teaching. Instead, he tells us the effect of his teaching. The people listening to him, they're astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one with authority and not as the scribes. Now, the scribes that Mark refers to were more than copyists or secretaries. They were honored in their function of reading and interpreting the scriptures. They were the doctors of the law, if you will, the authorized biblical scholars of their time. The people's astonishment at Jesus' teaching authority is not a put down of scribes or of Judaism generally. But the scribes then, like preachers now, necessarily speak with an authority that is derived. We prayerfully, humbly share what we think Jesus means and what God wants. But when Jesus speaks, he knows what he means and he knows what God wants. Jesus' authority is also proven in his power, the power with which he speaks, the power with which he acts. As he will prove throughout his ministry, Jesus is always able not only to talk the talk, but to walk the walk. Here in the synagogue, his teaching is interrupted by a man who cries out, what have you to do with us? Meaning multiple spirits within Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
Mark tells us that this is a man possessed with demons or an unclean spirit, meaning he should not be there in that holy space in the synagogue. Jesus' response is striking. He does not ask others to expel the man, nor does he turn away from him or ignore him. Over in the over in the gospel, we see that Jesus does not exclude the outsider. Instead, he welcomes the outsider and seeks to remove the barriers that separate them from others. Jesus rebukes the man and his demons so that he may be healed, Mark tells us. Now that word, the underlying Greek word for rebuke is a special word. Jesus here is not some offended librarian telling someone to keep quiet. No, rebuke in the Bible is about power. Rebuke is a word used elsewhere in the Bible, for example, to describe God's power against opposing armies. Consistently in Mark's gospel, rebuke is a way of showing that Jesus is more powerful than the demons possessing this man. Jesus opposes and defeats the demons. He drives out the unclean spirit. And then he has one more thing that may be strange to hear if we were really paying attention. He tells the demons, after they've said you're the Holy One of God, to be silent. Why? Well, that's not the only time it happens in Mark's gospel. Throughout, when he heals, so often Jesus will tell that person to be silent. Why? It's only at the cross, only when people understand what it means for Jesus to be the Holy One, the Son of God, that Jesus will allow that testimony to stand. People need to know what kind of holy and son of God he is. He is not merely a magician, not merely a healer. All that explains that passage in those terms, but what about us living now in the modern world? After all, someone said to me once, if you don't wanna be invited back to, the di to a dinner, bring up the topic of demons and unclean spirits at your host's dinner table. Talk of demons makes most of us nervous. Some of that reluctance to speak of demons is a good thing. We know much more about mental illness than ancient peoples did. We understand how experiences and brain chemistry can shape things and that talk therapy and pharmaceuticals can have a significant help on people's well-being. But demons are not the same as mental illness in the scriptures. And outside the developed world, a lot of Christians do not have a problem with this talk about demons. A few years ago, I heard about a college group that went to Honduras to do a mission project over spring break, and they were doing a Bible study with people in the Honduras village, and the topic of demons came up from their Bible study, and as you imagine, the college students didn't want to have anything to do with that. And then one of the women from the village said to a translator, I've seen plenty of demons. One of them took my husband from me a few years ago. Another keeps infecting our waters, which makes us sick. And our government seems to be full of demons because all they want to do is fight. But here is a view of demons and unclean spirits in the gospel that encompasses both a modern scientific view and a more traditional view, whether back then or now. Think of the demons 
as any a force that opposes God's will. Rather than bless, they curse. Rather than encourage, they work to split us apart. With that in mind, David Lowe's writes, then what happens here in Mark 1 can be boiled down this way. Jesus comes to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God on earth, and he does this by opposing the forces of evil, which would rob the children of God of all that God hopes and intends for them. Seen this way, possession is not such a strange thing after all. What happens when we really get angry? I know that when I get angry, I'm out to lash out with words that I will regret later. When I get angry, I see things from only one perspective, mine. Physically, my heart races, my breathing grows more rapid, I tend to clench my feet, my fists, and my teeth, and I just kinda wanna yell. It really can feel like someone or something has taken possession at least for a few moments. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. We can be possessed by jealousy or envy. When they take over, all that we can focus on is what others have and what we don't have. No longer are we able to recognize our own blessings and see what others don't have. Or we can be possessed by workaholism or greed. When that happens, relationships, important relationships in our lives may wither or die, be sacrificed into achieving more or having more or rising higher in whatever ladder we're trying to climb. But then there comes that reckoning when we realize how much we have lost in the pursuit of human-made goals that ultimately are empty and unfulfilling. We have seen the tenacity of addictions and the destruction they cause. What about the tenacity of fear or prejudice and the destruction that such powers cause? Mobs erupt and lash out at those who are different. How many more injuries and killings do we have to see from peoples possessed by racism or hatred or a thirst for violence before we seek to rebuke those powers? These demons are real, however you might look at them. However we understand them, what Mark wants us to understand about Jesus is that he has come to oppose them. He comes to confront all those forces that rob us of joy or kill us of compassion or destroy our peace and our hope or lead to injustice or oppression of others. To these forces, Jesus says, get out now. Mark 1 in these verses illustrates a part of Jesus that is often overlooked. Mark wants us to know that Jesus is not just a nice guy, not just a good person, not just a wise teacher. Most of the world, whether they're Christian or not, would concede that in describing Jesus. No, Mark wants us to know that Jesus is much more than that. He is one with authority. He is one with power. The demons get it right. He is the Holy One of God. He's come to oppose all the forces that would prevent us and all the world from enjoying the full and abundant life that God wants us to have. 
He wants to be the authority, the power above all other authorities and powers in our lives. So keep away from Jesus if you want to stay the way you are. Keep away from Jesus if you want to hold on to your anger or envy, your fears or prejudices. Stay away from Jesus if you want him just to be one of many authorities, just a part of your well-balanced lives, sort of like taking your vitamins or getting enough sleep each night. Stay away from Jesus if you want him to endorse your choices, your votes, your plans. Because Jesus wants more authority in our lives than that. He comes not as a tamed cat to be kept in a cage. He comes as a lion that we cannot control. But then again, neither can any demon or power or force that opposes God's will or God's love. They too will surrender ultimately. On the other hand, If you're ready to break the hold of other forces on you and your life, turn to Jesus. If you no longer want to be poisoned by greed or jealousy, turn to Jesus. If you want to escape the hold that anger or bitterness or fear have over your life, if you want to be healed, if you want to find the way that leads to joy and peace and a sense of purpose and meaning, then turn to Jesus. At the cross, we see the full force of Jesus' authority and power. No demon, no force, no power, not our sin, not even death is a match for the power of this one who has come. We know who he is the Holy One of God. Amen. And let us in silence before we move to communion, take a moment to reflect on these thoughts and questions. What feelings can take hold of your life? What robs you of joy? This week, let us name those feelings and forces and turn to the one who has the power to cast out all that harms us. Thank you for listening to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's sermon podcast. We hope you'll join us for worship on Sunday morning. For more information about our congregation and our ministries, please contact the church office. Now go in peace.